Welcome to the 68th episode of the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, Editor-in-Chief of ComicVine.com. Joining me on the line is the writer of Secret Avengers and Zero. We have Mr. Alish Cott. How are you doing? Hello, everyone. I'm doing great. Hi, Tony. Hi. <laughs> so, um, you're writing the success of Secret Avengers right now. First issue's out. Sounds like people are digging it. Yeah, the reviews are fantastic, and the reader's response overall is fantastic. Uh, we've done exactly what we wanted to do with the book, and uh, everyone is behind us in terms of you know, in terms of the creative team, in terms of the executive team at Marvel. So it feels really good. It feels like there's a proper level of trust put into us, and. Yeah, it feels like it's a good back and forth, a very good creative back and forth. And everyone seems to be sort of, or almost everyone seems to be very aware of that. And uh, it seems to be catching on. It's sort of like, you know, ha- you know how things get infectious when you're, when, when you're happy, it's sort of, or someone else is happy and, and you like them or you're near them. It's sort of easy to start smiling sometimes, you know, because yeah, emotions yeah. are sort of like viral, are, are viral really. It's yeah, yeah. we're we're all always affected by the world around us. I kind of feel like this this is also something that's sort of happening. It's creating just sort of a bigger wave of a of a good thing. And uh, I feel like the main thing for me today is basically to just be happy about that, be delighted by that, um, and use that energy to just continue doing what I want to do well um, instead of thinking that I'm hot shit, you know, yeah. like, I'm like, I think that the way to, to be hot shit is to be kind and do whatever it is that you feel you got to do. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and being, know, being hot shit also helps. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like it comes in hand in hand with that. You mm-hmm. know, me and anyone who like people who are the most attractive to me and i don't mean that in in just sexual way but in any way are people who are who are true to themselves yeah you know and who are kind and that's that's kind of that's what i just want to go on with and um I also feel like that's a thing that I wasn't aware of it until someone said it last night. But um, there is a certain amount of kindness in Secret Avengers now, and I really like that. I there's a yeah, there it is there, and I, I, I yeah, I'm very happy about it. Yeah. So this was an easy transition because um, you know a lot of people have been you know with the the relaunches that that Marvel has been doing, they've been great. But you know, some of them you're, you're not you're not really sure what to expect. Like, are they going to pick up from the previous series? Is there going to be you know like a gap where you have to catch up? But you know, since you were working on on the, the previous volume with with Nick Spencer, so did you guys talk about like what you were going to do, or you know, did that come up at all? 
Not really. Um, I mean, we talked about it a little, but uh, do you mean in terms of the last volume or in terms of the of the new volume? Well, both. Like, you know, before you head out, did you say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this? and Or is it just like, you know, Nick was, you know, moving on to the next project? Well, what actually happened with the with the last arc of the third volume was Nick contacted me and he asked me to come along uh, together with Lauren Sankovic, who was our editor. And once I figured out if I had a story to tell and if I wanted to tell it, and I talked with Eric, uh, with with Nick and with uh, Lauren about it, me and Nick sat down and uh, together with Lauren, we basically built the uh, built the outline of what we wanted to happen. And the outline was uh, in most points very close to what I had in mind for it. And uh, but there were also things where I'm very happy. There were, there was at least one or two decisions where I'm very happy that we went with uh, me trusting them. And uh, believing that what they brought to the table was definitely a better choice than what I would have wanted to bring to the table. So it was this sort of a nice collaborative experiment that uh, that worked out really well. And also when it came to the scripts themselves, that's something where I essentially worked by myself. Yeah. Once that happened, I wrote them by myself. But I would, the outline wouldn't be what it is without Nick. And also, he started the entire third volume of Secret Avengers, and it was his story. And uh, what I essentially wanted to do was uh, both be truthful to that and uh, bring it to the, you know, to the final crescendo, to the to the majestic storm at the end. It was sort of like imagining what would it, the last third of the season look like if it was this sort of a combo of. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back approach, where everything gets much, much worse very fast, and you kind of almost don't see a way out, mm-hmm. but then you still somehow manage to find hope in it. Nice. That was that was the aim. Oh, no pun intended. And uh, <laughs> it and it worked out really well. I'm I'm very happy with it. I large part of why is because the entire creative team is absolutely stunning. Um, I always loved Butch Geist's work. I I always loved Matt Wilson's colors, and uh, with Luke Cross, it was a case of sitting down with Luke before we get started and telling him what I thought about his art and that I thought that his art works, but also that I feel that he can um, that he can uh, experiment more if he if that would be something he would be interested in. I wanted to encourage that part of him because I believed that for someone as technically accomplished. It almost felt like he was holding himself back sometimes. Mm. And I want everyone who's working on a project with me to not hold themselves back. I want them to have an amazing time. I want them to just go nuts and do whatever they believe is their best work. And again, I believe that that's infectious. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did. And Luke was very, very... His response was just very enthusiastic, and we threw uh, threw some ideas at each other, and it just sort of spiraled from there. And then we ended up with pages unlike anything he's ever done before in his life. Yeah. Uh, now, um, with Nick Fury Jr., you know he's he's still a relatively new character 
in a Marvel universe. So, mm-hmm. like, wh- what's your your interpret? How do you do you see the character? Like, how would you describe him? Well, there's we actually me and Mike Walsh had a conversation about this last night, and Mike brought up a really good point in terms of what he thinks of when he's drawing him, and that's that there's this layer of aggression. Yeah. Aggression. Okay, go. And I don't know what you said after that. You can also see it in the way he fights, where he puts a little more power into most punches than than would necessarily be best for him as a fighter. There's also a sense of him seeing the objective and sometimes not seeing not considering the way to go about it in terms of the effect it might have otherwise, you know, like the ripple effect. Like if he wants something and he wants to achieve it and he believes that it's good for S.H.I.E.L.D., then he's going to do it. And potential consequences sometimes be damned. Now, all those kinds of things, they tax your psyche and they feed into who you are. And we're going to be exploring that with him. Cool. Um, Also... He's got a relationship with Coulson, which is a you know a very very friendly relationship, very close relationship. That's the sort of um, I almost think I almost think of Ricks and Murtaugh in places, <laughs> in terms of the dynamic, mm-hmm. um, but reverses reversed where where Nick's the angry one, <laughs> and uh, well he's the he's the angry one who would like to be contained, sort of. And Coulson's the angry. Coulson's the the calm one who sometimes might need to actually snap a bit. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's gonna be interesting with with him with Coulson wanting to be more, you know, in in the field. Oh yeah, there's big repercussions coming from that. Well, just the, the first issue. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that's just the start of it. Yeah, you're you're leaving leave like huge cliffhangers. Like, who's gonna be in the second issue? <laughs> Oh, they all die by the first page of the second issue. Yeah, whole new team, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking a page from the, you know, from the classic Stormwatch run <laughs> by Warren Ellis. No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. But uh, I mean, like, actually, am I doing that? I don't know. <laughs> You'll see. Um, that is something. Well, I, I, I did want to ask, but I, I don't know if I should. Um, like, so we have, you know, Fury, Nick Fury Jr., um, Coulson, and then we have. Spider Woman, Black Widow, and Hawkeye—is that going to be like the the core team? Are you going to like mix things up? Is it you know like going to be like a set roster or or kind of like mm-hmm. whoever's needed? Did you did you say I I you said Hawkeye right? Because I heard yeah. Hawkeye. It, it's really funny. I think someone should make that joke sooner or later. <laughs> just like accident accidental mishearing or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that funny actually. I'm just tired and it's morning and I had caffeine, so I'm kind of yeah. Yeah, that's not gonna work, is it? <laughs> Should try it. I don't know. Mike, Mike, Mike Walsh is cringing on the bed right next to me. Um, I don't think it's gonna work. Anyway, um, yes, that's the core team. Um, that said, there's no guarantee everyone makes it out alive, mm-hmm. and there's no guarantee no one's gonna join. Mm-hmm. I will say that there's Deadpool coming. Okay. Very likely. I would say that there's a. I can definitely say that there's a, 
there are some threats coming that are pretty big. There's Lady Bullside, there's the the Fury, uh, which was already in the first issue, but that's not the end of it. And uh, more. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of threats like that. And uh, lots of them will connect to the team in ways that will be pretty, I would like to think, unexpected and more organic than... Uh, some sort of a protagonist antagonist scenario because I don't really, I don't really believe that that you can uh, that that my fiction contains villains and uh, super and heroes you know I I believe that and I don't believe in that in real world so there's no reason why I should believe in that in fiction um, I believe that we're just the sum of our actions and the actions can be good or bad but as far as people I believe we just sort of are. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and that's sort of a, that's sort of what I look at when I look at the character. Just because I there's so much complexity to them. Mm -hmm. There are so many layers that can be explored that to diminish them to something very very simple would be to take away from them as actual beings that are enacting or they're showing us their stories. I feel that it would be detrimental to the overall impact that uh, that the stories can have on on the readers. Yeah. Now and, and also like in 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 the issue we saw that there's like a mix of the action and the humor, and yeah. I mean I I thought I thought it was, it was a great balance. It, it 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 felt it reminded me more. Not necessarily more, but a little like like the the Marvel Studios movies, where you know you, it's it's almost like a different dynamic, and it just really worked here. Like I I just love the interaction between you know you know Nick and 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 Coulson, and of course when you got Hawkeye in there, you know things just go out the window. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's yeah, I yeah I can see that. You know, that's funny. That's 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 funny, and that's that's kind of. That's interesting to think about, you know. Like, is there a Marvel? Is there a Marvel movie I would write if I had? <laughs> huh? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, people, people could just jump in. And but but so so here's the thing. You know, we we see this a lot. Um, you know, when when the movies come out, that it's the 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 comic sometimes makes adjustments or is influenced by that. You know, it's it's understandable. You want to attract these millions of people that go see the movies that may not be reading the comics, but at the same time, what, what you're doing. So, you know, and, and whether it's intentional or not, you know, it, it does feel like you're, you're trying to make it accessible to them, but at the same time, it's not, you're not compromising who these characters were before all the movies started. Yes. So, I mean, that, that, that's what I like. Cause you know, I'll admit when, when, you know, Nick Fury Jr. First came on, I was like, okay, you know, where's this going to go? And, and, you know, having Coulson, which, you know, he's, they're both great characters, but then as we're seeing Coulson appear more and more, but I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a great dynamic and I love that this book is separate from the other Avengers books that, you know, it, it's, it's just the, the merging of the Avengers and shield and it, it has that isolated feel compared to you know the other three avengers books thank you i really appreciate that um yeah i'm i'm huh, i'm very very happy about how it 
how I'm very happy with how it feels. It's it's exactly the book I would want to read. Yeah, and which is precisely what I want to do always. Yeah, it's it's great. Now, I, um, at with that, are you going to keep it separate from the other Avengers books? Um, currently, yes. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the thing. That's the thing about you know this feeling of being separate. It's not really. It's more of an illusion because this this is all happening in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. and inevitably is affected by it, and that's completely cool. That's why I'm playing in the shared field. But as far as as far as uh, crossovers and similar things, well, there's a very there's a very tight plan that uh, that we have for the f- big story that we're doing, and that's happening, and that's where we're you know we're well into that right now. So there is no plan. There are no plans for something like that until we're done with that story. Yeah, and Mike Walsh very much wants to stay on board for every issue, so it's it's very much a case of us getting to tell that story that we came to tell, and then seeing. I'm open to all kinds of things. I don't think that things like crossovers are inherently good or bad. I believe that there's a way to to play with any sort of a with almost anything that's thrown at me. Mm-hmm. If I if I find the right story to tell or the right angle, I can just tell it. It doesn't matter whether it's crossover, whether it's a miniseries, a graphic novel, or anything else. Um, and I love the fact that we're connected to the Marvel universe because it just lets me pick from such a treasure trove of characters and situations and ideas. You know, there's so many bits and pieces just in the first three pages alone. It's it's in effect Secret Avengers is extremely self-referential when it comes to Marvel Universe because on the first page alone we have the Fury, mm-hmm. on the second and on the on the third page or the fourth page we have uh, the Armory with you know about twenty different things <laughs> for that people who read Marvel regularly will totally figure out and people who don't will be just probably thinking wow that. That is just really weird, you know. What are these things? And it might engage their imaginations in a different manner, and it's also good. So, um, in in when doing that, um, we're I, I believe that I can probably speak for Mike as well, but maybe he'll start vigorously like making noises when I say that. But essentially, there's a sense of this playfulness and genuine enthusiasm for Marvel Universe and for being able to tell a story within it that we're just firing straight into what we're doing. And uh, I believe that shows because we're having an awesome time doing it. And that's why it connects. Are we going to see anyone use the, the Hulk fists that were in Armory? part of the entire thing I said and now I think that we lost it what oh can you hear me now yeah and could you hear me this entire time I I asked the question and then I didn't hear you oh but did you hear me finish the previous one yeah all right good because I didn't he- okay in that case I just didn't hear the question oh I said are, are we gonna see anyone use the the Hulk fists that's a great idea. You know, not I didn't consider it until this point, 
<laughs> but actually, I'm just going to make a note about it because I'm entirely open to the idea. I, I think if anyone would do it, it would, it would probably be Hawkeye. Maybe. <laughs> no, who would use the Hawk fists? Why wouldn't it be the masseuse? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be scary. Yeah, and there's like, um, have you seen uh, Eastern Promises? Yeah. Okay, well, there's like, there's a, you know, the scene in this in the in the Russian baths mm -hmm. and, and Eastern Promises. I kind of like the equivalent of like maybe like almost doing an homage to that at least with one shot and just having the masseuse use the Hulk fists and I don't know her like mess up someone. Doctor Doom maybe. <laughs> Weaken Doctor Doom, who actually needs help, or something like that, just to make it extra special. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally game with that. <laughs> All right, um, so you, you've worked with 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 Michael before. Yes. So what's it like? And I know he's right there, so you, you probably have to be careful what you say. But no, I, I don't really give a shit about what he thinks about me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the truth of the matter is. Um, Whatever I say about people need to always be things that I would be able and comfortable saying in front of them. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I say I don't like someone's comics uh, or if I don't like someone's work or if it just doesn't connect with me, I always have to check with myself in order to say it in a way that uh, is true but also can be said to the person without being harmful, you know. Yeah. So... um yeah, I, I'm not really that fond of Mike. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I love Mike. Um, working with him is really good. It's like... It, it, he's definitely one of the, one of the collaborators that, that, I, that I just want to work with again and again because we get each other and the pages that I imagine look better when he draws them. Um, he's very open to experimentation, which is wonderful. He's, uh, he's very, his style is committed to clarity first. At the same time, there's this, there's this playfulness that he just puts on the page always, you know, there are plenty of, um, Plenty of bits in the first issue alone where you can see that. He's, he loves multiple panels per page, many panels per page. He loves to... Uh, his inking style is lush in a really cool way. There's a lot of Mazzucchelli in him. People always mention David Audra in, in, in reviews, but there's Mazzucchelli, there's Zafina. Mm -hmm. There's... Uh, I see bits of Toth in the way Mike inks, etc., etc., and... It's just, he feels like this sort of a next generation of people who in the previous generation would be David Aja and Sean Phillips and, and Michael Lark. Yeah, I, I, I forget where I first saw him. I, I think I, I came across his Tumblr and then, you know, it was just immediately a fan. And then, you know, then he did come back and he did Zero and he did X-Files and... I mean, I, I love his stuff, and, and so that's that's another thing that, that gets me so excited about this book is, you know, after especially seeing the two of you on, on Zero mm -hmm. and then, then going here. So is 
is is this like a genre that you like kind of because you know with with secret avengers you kind of have that that espionage angle to it so is is that something that that you're you really cling to something that you live in your life every day well don't we all (laughs) you know that's that's the interesting thing um it's less about it's less about me me and my interest in purely that and more about me seeing and thinking about that every day in terms of things that are connected to us all, meaning the NSA revelations, meaning uh, multiple wars waged in various regions, whether by America or by other countries, you know, this sort of a state of things simultaneously falling apart and being rebuilt. And also my studies when it comes to when it comes to these things and when it comes to the involvement of uh, paramilitary organizations and black ops and politics and how all these things that actually do create the lives we live in every day form us and how they form the entire world and from that interest you sort of realize that it connects to everything Mm -hmm. If 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 I if I look at it close enough, I see that there are connections going everywhere. It's sort of like um, when uh, when I see the wire. There's one way to look at it as a cop show, but the thing is, it's so much more than a cop show. Mm-hmm. It's a show about a city. It's a show about an environment. And to me, most of the things that I make as a creator are much less about uh, genre and much more about ethical questions and about uh, about things I want to explore in myself as well. So spy genre as a whole is interesting to me, but it's not something I feel bound by at all. I also never really want to ever do the same thing twice, which is a big reason for why Secret Avengers, Zero, and Iron Patriot feel very, very different, both in tone and in what they explore in a way, although there are similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Would you ever want to be a spy? Or maybe you are and you just can't answer. Um, well, you know, if I was a spy and, um, and, I, and uh, I would try to keep my cover, this is the point where sort of pretend that I'm a spy and I would turn it into a joke or I would actually get so self-referential that it would essentially create this sort of a loop that I'm making right now (laughs) at which point there's a total confusion and you no longer know what I'm you know actually what I actually mean and what I what I'm just saying because I want to say it um in order to pursue some sort of a hidden agenda so that's the thing um no one knows (laughs) but I I do have to say that I think that's what I really like about your secret Avengers compared to the other, you know, I, I, I like the other Avengers books and, you know, I, I love superhero books, but every once in a while, you know, just, just that, that other aspect to it, you know, it, I don't know if I, you know, it makes it a little more realistic in a way. And, you know, like you said, with, with, you know, things going on today and, and, you know, with a Captain America winter soldier where, you know, I, I can't officially, talk about what I thought about it, but you know, you, you get a lot of that too, where, you know, it kind of has that, that same feel where you don't know who to trust and all that. And I, there's something about it. You know, it, it, 
I guess because it, it kind of keeps you on your toes and keeps you guessing and you don't know what's going to happen next versus a lot of times, you know, a regular superhero book. It's like, well, you know, you know, here comes the good guys or, you know, good guys fight the bad guys, good guys win. And then that's it. But with, with this, you know, like what you did in the first issue, you just killed everyone practically. <laughs> um, so, uh huh. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Tell me, tell me. What do you want to say? Well, I was, I was going to um, move on to, to the next topic. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, the 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 spy thing. Um, you know, I was recently. Uh, I spent some time wondering about, you know, the why, why, where is my interest in fiction and storytelling coming from, and uh, and how does it connect to my interest in self exploration? Can you hear me? I it's... yeah. Okay, self exploration and exploration of the world to me might just be the same thing. There's a growing scientific consensus uh, based around the idea that that's why we have this universe and plenty of other universes too. And if that's true, then. Um, what I'm seeing around might be a combination of my own internal processes and everyone else's internal processes, you know, mm -hmm. in, uh, in 3d. And, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist, meaning essentially what archeologist is, but with dinosaurs, mm -hmm. um, meaning, you know, digging, figuring out dinosaurs, figuring out what was happening, unearthing the things that, uh, that were hidden and figuring out why and what were they and so on. And that, that connects to my interest in, in, uh, psychology, in philosophy, in many, many other things. Because that's what I do with myself, too. I go back. I go generations back in terms of my own life, and I try to figure out how patterns of behavior in my family and other connections in influenced who I am. And that all inevitably goes into how I think of other people and how I think of other characters in fiction, too. Hmm. And that enables me to create or co-create or, um, you know, download these beings that are more layered. And that's something I'm very interested in. It's, um, if I were a spy, I would have something to hide, but I don't really believe that I have anything to hide at all. Or so you want us to think because you're a spy, maybe. Or maybe, a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Are you a spy? Um, um, yeah, I, I believe that I can, I can, you know, I can choose whatever, whatever I choose to divulge, but I am not, I'm interested in not hiding anything from myself. I'm interested in understanding the world to the fullest. Nice. And that sort of enables me to dig into fiction in ways where I can also understand the fiction that I'm creating to the fullest. Yeah. Cool. So it's sort of a slash archaeology, paleontology approach. 
Maybe you can write a, a comic about paleontologists. You know, um, if Jurassic Park hasn't been made, I, I, I would, but I don't think that I can top that one. As far as as far as fiction goes, that was one of the most influential movies I've ever seen in my life. I think. Yeah. I wanted to be a paleontologist way before that movie, though. Just so we're clear on that. <laughs> okay. Now, um, also on the twenty sixth is Iron Patriot. So, what what oh. can you tell us? What can you tease about that? Um, I can say that Rhodey dies on the third page. Okay. Mm, I can say that there are a few reasons why I decided that I wanted to write Iron Patriot. One is because I genuinely believe in James Rhodes as a as a being that essentially wants to do good by all people. And then you kill him. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you know, I, I believe that uh, the Iron Patriot suit comes with some baggage and, you know, the Norman Osborn stuff. And so does the roadie, you know, roadie's past and, as a war machine. And the thing is, what's going to be your statement when you're James Rhodes and you're getting a new suit and essentially something that you can use as a rebranding, you know, in a way? Mm-hmm. You can choose your purpose. I mean, that's what we all have in common. We are the stories we tell ourselves we are. We become them. And, you know, we have to be, which is why what, which is why I have to choose very carefully to what I'm going to believe about myself and what I'm going to aim for. The thing is, what, what does Rhodey believe? What does Rhodey think is good? What does, how did he get to that point? What about his family? How did that influence him? All these things that I was just talking about with you for the past, you know, 30 minutes or so are things that are on his mind. Does he makes a decision that essentially changes everything for him um, during a press conference? And it happens at a time when a few wheels within wheels start moving and some very disturbed people make moves that threaten pretty much all of America and destabilize it even further from what it is now. Hmm. And Rhodey's in the center of that, and so is his family, because we meet more more people that are his actual family that uh, I created and developed and with together with you know Gary Brown the editorial and uh, there was another thing that interested me in this very much it was the chance to I am fully aware of uh, the fact that I am a privileged white male but I also believe that it's really important to create diversity in comics and to create uh, characters that are not privileged white and male Mm -hmm. so to be able to flesh out um roadie's family and to be able to give them this larger sense of what they're about that was such 
interesting and inspiring thing to me. It was such, so loaded with possibilities that I just felt that I really wanted to do that. It's, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it felt right. Nice. So you also mentioned that, you know, you want each of your books to be a little different because you don't want to do the same thing. So is is this going to be a little more serious than Secret Avengers? Yes. It's it's very different in tone. It's different in terms of pacing. Um, it's different. It's much less frenetic. It's uh, it's it's a little bit. Uh, if Secret Avengers is sort of like the hybrid of what I said, the Michael Bay meets Arista Development sort of thing, then uh, then Iron Patriot's much more Shane Black. Mm. And that's actually a completely conscious influence. That's something I thought about. Okay. Um, and I don't mean Shane Black just in terms of Iron, Iron Man 3. I mean Shane Black in terms of Die Hard and similar things. Mm-hmm. There's um, The primary focus is really on Rhodey and his family as characters. I believe that the, that the right way to go about all this was to really focus on him and not have any major guest stars or anything like that, but to put him in a place where... He can develop on his own, and we can be shown why why he's an important character in his own right. Yeah, because I was just gonna see that. I was gonna ask is like, so is Iron Man gonna um, pop in, or is you know Rhodey gonna get a chance to be his own character? Um, I don't think that one or the other are necessarily um, would necessarily contradict the other possibility, but. Um, that said, Tony Stark won't be showing in the first four issues, and if he might be showing, he might be showing just in white scene, one scene in five. But the thing is, I rewrite things on a whim, mm-hmm. and it's entirely possible that I'll cut him even from that scene. I don't know. It will depend. I'll I'll see how I feel about it when I'm actually rewriting that. Right. But yeah, that that's like the yeah, it's definitely about Rhodey. Cool. Anything else is just a bonus that comes from feeling right within that specific scene but i'm not so there's no mandate and there's no there's no pressure whether from me or anyone else to do that you know i I always questioned his name before like when he was war machine that Uh you know like when when he's he's hanging out or you know out on, on a mission with someone or someone's just talking to him it's like saying hey war machine you know let's go for a pizza you know it it, there, there's like no nickname, you know, Captain America, you call him Cap, you know, or, you know, it's Spider-Man is Spidey. So it's like, and, and even, so he's not War Machine anymore. Now he's Iron Patriot, but he still doesn't have that like shortened name that, you know, hey, Iron Patriot, what are you doing tonight? You know, so maybe that's something you, you'll have to come up with. Uh, I Okay, so I didn't hear you for the past 10 seconds, but now I can hear you again. Um <laughs> Can you go on with that again? Uh, I was just saying, you know, so like with, with you know, War Machine, you know, there's no shortened nickname for him. So it's it's like, you know, what, what, and now that he's Iron Patriot, you know, what are people, Iron Patriot, you're going to see the game this weekend? You know, it's like, you, you need to come up with like a, a shorter kind of nickname, you know, more, more familiar way that people can refer to him. I mean, I could we could use IP, but that also means intellectual property, which is sort of too meta, maybe at this point. <laughs> um, Pat, P 
Patriot. Um, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't really feel like it's necessary at this point. We'll see. Um, but the thing about War Machine is really funny, and it's, uh, it's very true. It's like, you know, that's it's just a weird thing to say, you know. Imagine that, you know, you're you're a six-year-old girl and or boy, and your kitten is in three, and, you know, Rhodey flies and retrieves the kitten, brings <laughs> it back, and you run home screaming, Mommy, Daddy, War Machine saved Mr. Pringles, you know, or whatever. That <laughs> It just doesn't quite have the ring to it. Uh, yeah. Or it does, but it's a very absurd. It's like that's where it goes into the Secret of Avengers territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, we're home. War Machine's having a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> All right, let's talk about Zero. Um, oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. So when's the next issue? When six come out? Is that this month or is it April? It's, oh, it's just this following week. Okay. This month is huge, apparently. I have three consecutive books and three consecutive oh, so, so it should be like today then when people are listening to this, when this goes live. That is absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, should I send you the issue right now so you can take a look? Sure. You can be looking at it as uh, as we're talking because okay. that's the power of the internet. Yeah. I will do that in about 10 seconds. All right. Ask away. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I, it, it's just – so so we, we – with with Edward Zero, mm-hmm. so um, if people for some whatever crazy reason haven't been reading it, so we we have a, a secret agent and um, we we kind of see the end of his story, mm-hmm. and then then it jumps back to his different um, missions and different points in, in his life. So I, I I'm I'm trying to avoid you know I don't I don't want to give anything away so. It's like, how much do you have this mapped out? I mean, do you, do you like know like all all the the main points to get to that end? I mean, have have you mapped out his whole story like in terms of how many issues about you'll have? Um, currently, I feel like it might be about twenty eight to thirty issues. Okay. I always had a pretty decent idea of where the story was going. And um, uh, the the break the break between the first and the second part of the story overall will be around issue fourteen to fifteen, and after that we go into the second half, which is uh, different in that it uh, starts coming faster and faster towards where we begin with the first page of the first issue, meaning uh, two thousand thirty-eight, and the older. Edward Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have to say, so I think it was issue three, mm-hmm. where we had that big, stunning, heartbreaking moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't even know what to say to you about that. I, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, man. And which, you know, I, I, I'm sure that's what you're going for. But it's like, how, how, do, you, how do you sleep at night knowing... What you did? Um, really well. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It just—it was just one of those cases. I don't even remember if I actually had that planned. It just came from the story as I was writing it. I think, if I'm correct, I think I remember that right. Yeah. Um, 
It was one of those moments where I certainly felt the resonance. There's also a funny story about that. Um, and this happens from time to time. Sometimes I uh, mess up and I uh, count the pages wrong. And, you know, since I'm sort of a, I'm pretty much a showrunner when it comes to zero and I make sure that everything is correct and I'm the last person who sees everything before it goes to print and so on. And I check everything together with image. Um, sometimes when this thing, something happens, you know, I, I, I am the one who needs to fix it. And in this case, it was me miscalculating the pages and realizing that the final page came on, I believe, the left instead of, uh, on the right instead of the left, mm. which completely screwed with the flow of the final scene. Mm -hmm. And this actually happened because I only realized because I was talking to Joe Keating online, and I sent him the third issue early on, and he was reading it, and he asked me. And I went back, and I, earlier I thought that I caught something similar, but that it was actually okay. And then I look at it again, and I go, wow, that's actually completely correct. I need to do something with that page. And at that point, I knew that there was no way we would get another page drawn. Mind you, I had no idea if there would be um, anything worth uh, drawing in that page. I didn't really feel like it was necessarily even the best idea. But what I do believe in is the black swan theory, which pretty much states that the best way to adjust to a changing world is to be open to the changes that come, you know, to the sort of black swan events that you can't really predict. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that I can thrive very often if I accept the unexpected and work with it instead of trying to perceive it as a thing that's trying to harm me, I will understand it as an opportunity. And when looking at this, when looking at that uh, empty space that suddenly developed, I thought, well, why don't I do the thing that I did when I was writing change? And the exact same thing happened. Meaning, why don't I take a blank page and why don't I write a text page around it that will be connected with the narration? And that's what I did. It just worked perfectly. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, so what, what, I mean, aside from, are, are, are we going to come back to this at all? Cause you know, the next issue and, you know, we, we see, you know, Edward going through some more stuff. Mm -hmm. are, are you going to come back to this at all? Or is this, is that it? Uh, well, I mean, I just sent you the link to the sixth issue here on Skype and I can say that we're going to come back to it in that issue. Okay. Yes. Big time. Oh, you sent it on Skype. Okay. Yes. That's, Do you see it? I well, my setup here. I I have there's like like four or five different monitors. Oh, and, I'll just mail it to you. Yeah, yeah, because that that's like on a different. It's almost like out of reach. The way it's 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 crazy in here. Okay, I'm I'm emailing it to your comic vine email right this very second. So you'll have it, and you can download it. It's in a, it's in my Dropbox. So you, and you have access to that yeah. specific file. Yep, it's sent. So how it's long is is this second arc going to be? Five issues again. Okay. Yeah, with again every single issue being a self-contained thing that amounts to a larger thing. 
Um, I can say that a lot of things that happened in the first five issues are going to be making some sort of a comeback. Um, there are repercussions from issue one that are eventually coming back too. Not necessarily in the second arc full on, but they are coming back big time. Yeah. And sort of everything that that happens is uh, is weaved into the trajectory of the entire story. Not in a there's a way to write everything in a way that's sort of almost too cute, too writerly, where um, you can see all the threads and you can see all the pieces. Mm-hmm. You no, know, that was my actually that was my problem with the last season of Breaking Bad. Um. I maintain that the first four seasons were perfect because they they had this certain level of rawness to them. They they felt like they weren't completely polished on purpose. You know, like not everything fit neatly into a, a box. And they felt more alive for it. And I felt like with the last episodes, sometimes, even though they were still amazing filmmaking, I felt like they were too enamored with wrapping everything up in really tidy, tidy ways. You know, like there wasn't a single story thread that didn't have some sort of catharsis. And the thing is, I don't believe that you always have to have this sort of a simple storytelling catharsis to uh, to create a resonant story. I believe that it's sometimes way more cathartic to show that there is sometimes no catharsis or that there's only partial catharsis in something. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now I know I asked you before, but I, so I had a question from John Rodriguez. Um, he -hmm. says he, he loves zero great book. Will any previous artists be returning to do any future issues? There's a very solid possibility that the second half of the book will be radically different from what uh, people are used to on the first half. And if that will be the case, one of the artists will be definitely coming back. Um, that's as much as I'm willing to say right now. Because I, I did ask you before, um, you you, you, you kind of seek out, I mean, like the artist that you're going to get kind of has to fit the story, that, that particular issue, right? Yes, 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 yes. Very much so. Um, what happens is, and this, there's just no, there's no one way of doing it. I mean, sometimes it can be a case of me knowing that this artist could be available for an issue and then thinking, what would I write for this artist? And how can I connect it with what I already want to do? You know, sometimes it can be as simple as I have the story and I know exactly which artist I want on it. And these things can change very much. Depending on how they go, uh, how they go, I get to the point where I talk with the artist, and uh, always the same thing that I want to do is to essentially say, "Hey, you're someone I very, I very much respect. You're someone I trust. Let's talk. Let's see if we have the same view of the story we want to tell. And if so, then uh, I will write the script, and it will essentially have to be a sort of a love letter to you as a creator." Because in order to really create anything of value, whether we're talking art or whether we're talking uh, any sort of other human relationship, I believe that there needs to be absolute clarity of communication and, uh, you know, and we shouldn't be letting ourselves be stopped by some sort of a fear. 
So what I need to do is I need to be aware of the artist's possibilities and intentions, and I need to write the best possible story for them specifically. So it's always the case, yes. Yeah, cause, uh, so looking at issue six now, I mean, this is amazing. Um, so so Vanessa you. Del Rey, this, this is some nice-looking art here. I mean, so you just to get incredibly lucky, or are you, are you just, you know, extremely charming when, you know, because for you, I mean, because you, you essentially have to find a, a different art, you know, the right artist for, for each issue versus if you're, you know, set up with an artist, you know, you, you know, you can do, you know, four issues, five issues, whatever, you know, get that arc out. But here you have to constantly find the next person. Mm-hmm. So, so what's that whole process like? I mean, you have people like, like, hey, if you need an artist, I'd love to do it because it's an awesome story. Well, I'm just very charming. <laughs> um, uh, what, what it comes down to here is I have a good plan. I know what I want. I am not afraid of saying no when I don't feel like something is right. I am not afraid of asking whoever I want to ask when it comes to working with them. And I work in advance. Meaning, for example, right now, I'm already mostly done with issue 10. Nice. And issue 6 is just coming out. Issue 8 is being finished. And issue 9 and 10 are already being worked on. I work in advance because it's the only way to do it, in my opinion, if I'm doing something like this. I, uh, I'm a long-term planner. I'm a long-term runner when it comes to... Uh, yeah, when it comes to things like these, um, and that's how my mind works. That's how I like it to work. Uh, that's the way I like my life to work. I like to think long term. I like to be considerate of the world around me and, uh, to build something worthwhile. And if I'm going to be constantly coming at things from a short term perspective, that's not going to create that much good i need to combine combine all these aspects when it comes to the artists when it comes to the artists i also believe that the book itself is a really great calling card at this point because it proves that the concept works hey tony yeah that's it okay now, so is is it possible like some of the issues get completed like out of out of order? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, then, mm-hmm. and then you know, and so, but it's it's possible. Do you would you ever like change something? Like let's say let's say like issue nine was done, and then then you saw something there, and you're like, oh, maybe you know, it's there's still time to add this, you know, to the last page of issue eight or something like that, or. Yeah. It, yeah, if 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 it feels right and if it's not too much uh, strain on the artists, then yeah, I don't really do that. I haven't needed. I didn't need to. Um, I have very solid outlines, and uh, I I think long term, and I like to see things like that. So I kind of know where we're going in certain ways. But I'm completely open to it if it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, we have another question from John. He, he said, could you explain wild children? It was a good book, but I feel dumb when I try to figure out what it was about. Ha ha. Um, no, I couldn't. 
because well the thing is i could but uh, that would be there would be an assumption inherent in that and there is an assumption inherent in that question that my understanding of the comic my reading of it and that applies to reading of art in general and understanding of art in general is that my reading of this would be something more than your own reading of this and i don't believe in that i believe that things are to be made and then meanings are to be found in them but to ascribe different uh, um, a definite meaning to to uh, well children or any other comic that i make would be uh, the equivalent of putting of seeing a Pollock painting and then coming next to it and reading uh, some art gallerist's piece about what the painting means hmm. in, a, in a way, you mm -hmm. know, like, um, I mean, would I be interested to know what Jason, what, what Jackson Pollock says about that? I, that's the thing. I probably would. But I'm not sure I would actually want to read it. Um, I can say I can I can give you a little in terms of what it means to me personally, but that's not going to be universal meaning. You know, it's not going to be the meaning the meaning of the thing because there is no one the meaning of it. Um, while children for me is about the possibility that uh, fictional worlds are no less real than our own because both of them are fiction, all of them are fiction and all of them are real at the same time. Um, while children is about the idea of reincarnation and rebirth, um, both in terms of uh, dying and rebirth and also in terms of dying as a person while you're still alive and then sort of being alive again if you choose to find a new or different meaning. Um, while Children is about comics theory, very obviously, um, because that's pretty much the text, not even the subtext. And it also relates to uh, how how we can perceive each moment in time as a window of a comic book. And uh, if we sequence each moment of our time like that, then that there are still gaps in between. And those gaps are essentially our imagination. And if our imagination is this blank space where anything can happen, that it implies that we steer our own lives by our own imaginations combined with our own will to do whatever we imagine. So if that's what we're limited by, then we come back to the notion that our lives are stories that we tell ourselves, you know, they are what we, we are responsible for the stories that we tell ourselves. So that's some of what wild children is about for me when I think about it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Try to get through a few more questions or a couple more before. Oh yeah, bring them on. Uh, 
Okay. Um, Dustin Kendall says, did you have any kind of conversation with Matt Fraction regarding how you're writing Hawkeye since he's being included in Secret Avengers? No. No, no conversation at all. I mean, I shot Matt an email, but he's very busy. And it was also, I think, it was an email that happened shortly before we were, like, diving into it. And uh, I didn't feel like there was anything that was contradicting anything. And I also trust the editorial. So, yeah. yeah no major conversation. And, and he's appeared in other books, too. And so it's... Yeah. Um. I'm totally open to it at any point if it ever needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously you, you did a great job and, and, well, you know, you. you gave it your own take, but you know, you, you, you kept to where Clint is at right now versus, you know, how, like back when he was wearing the, the purple costume and, and not, I mean, cause the, the way he is now and, you know, the way both of you guys done it where he's, he's got that, again, that, that kind of more realistic edge to him. Where you know he's he's just this guy hanging out with a bunch of super powered people and and yeah so so you kept I'm I'm curious are are we are are things going to occasionally get awkward you know being you know with with two of his ex girlfriends um <laughs> yes okay. That's all you want to say? I guess keep us. Yes. Keep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, things are gonna get awkward. Yeah, sometimes, but it's not necessarily about you know about the Spider Woman and Black Widow being his ex girlfriends. It's more about him being him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's there's no reason why people should be awkward around their ex-girlfriends is more about the person themselves you know no one else makes us do anything we make ourselves be the people we are yeah um steven says i heard spider-woman is getting a new costume secret avengers i don't know if that's true i know nothing about that maybe that that guy in the room with you might know (laughs) because um he's asleep again again jeez he's on (laughs) On Canadian time or something. No, he's in the same time zone as you, I think. Maybe. No, uh, he might be like, yeah, maybe th- maybe same, maybe an hour or something. But yeah, no, I, I don't believe that she's getting a new costume. No, she's getting a new gift in a way, but uh, that's not a costume. Because hmm. yeah, Steven says that he thinks her costume should change because it's pretty old school and doesn't work in covert ops teams. I like her costume. I, oh, I, oh, okay, okay. I see, I see, I see. Okay, um, yeah, no, her costume's not changing. I mean, and she didn't even wear a costume in the first issue. That is also true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I, that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, you kind of, I think you 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 touched on this a little bit, but Mark LePage says, "Any new characters in the works?" Any new characters in relation to Secret Avengers? Sure, I think I think that's what he's going for. Maybe. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, one that I can give away at least partially is uh, Arto Dorita, which who was first mentioned in by Modok in this uh, sort of seemingly throwaway comment at the you know of the interrogations with Hale in the previous volume. This weapons dealer, who's a ex literature professor guy. 
yeah, that that person is definitely coming back hmm. in issue three, and then later on there are and there are more new characters. Yeah, there will be characters appearing, and there will be a. I don't even know if you can call some of the things characters, but uh, <laughs> yeah, let's say that there's also a bomb that might have a solid amount of character. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, how are you approaching Modak? Um, you know, he just sort of comes to me very naturally. I think it's um. I think it's a matter of um, letting my inner disturbed nine-year-old talk, <laughs> because I mean, there's a there, are, and that's the thing. Like, if I say too much about that, it's gonna it's gonna tell you too much. It's gonna give away too much about the character. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a case of Modag being much more layered than he was in the past. Um, there's a sense of uh, Modag really wanting success and really wanting to be respected and you know and wanting to impress things like that and also you know there are things that come with the way he looks um you know the way people might perceive him or the way he might perceive himself etc 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 all that plays a big role but as far as how it comes to me it's just sort of and this is the case with Secret Avengers in general. It just sort of appears in my head and I just transcribe it for the most part, really. Interesting. That that happens it happens with um it happens with the outlines. But with the outlines, there's a there's a level of, you know, me also being um cerebral about it and sort of watching the themes. But it's also about me sort of integrating all those things, then letting them stew in my subconscious. And when it comes to time to actually write the script, I don't really look back at the outline or anything like that. With some issues, I don't even write an outline. I'd write maybe, you know, two paragraphs of what I kind of want to do. And then it's a matter of making sure that the logistics of how to make a really good single issue that connects to the larger things works. And is Modak going to go on any field missions? Be allowed to? Well, I can I can give you a one panel teaser. Okay. And that might be actually a perfect place to end because I, it's very hard to top that. Okay. Um, I'm ready. It's Modoc standing on a porch somewhere in the south, wearing an apron, <laughs> holding a sawed-off shotgun and pointing at something we don't see. Okay. And I, I'm not even going to ask you what issue. I'll just. We'll leave it at that and yes. just look forward to it. All, All right. right. So people need to buy Secret Avengers number one on sale now in stores. Uh, they need to pick up zero. They need to pick up the zero trade that is on sale. It has a really cool quote on the cover. <laughs> I, I bought a copy of that too. Just Even though I have all the issues, I bought the, the trade. Thank you. Um, so they need to pick – people need to buy the trade. They need to buy issue, was it six? Yeah. Yeah. Issue six on sale today when people are listening to this. And then, so then next week is Iron Patriot. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, like three weeks in a row. You're just, yes. you're just like taking over. Like 
Every, you want everyone to buy your books. You're taking over to the, the shelves in the comic shops. It's a it's slow, careful process. I'm amping it up to seven starting in July. Okay, so Brian no, Brian no. Michael Bendis, watch out. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely not doing that. I'm I'm very happy and I'm very grateful for where, where I'm at. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for everyone I'm working with, and if it wasn't for all of you who are paying attention and who are. Sp- okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just glad that everyone's that everyone's giving me the support that they're giving me, and that you know goes from retailers to the readers to. Uh, journalists like you to ev- pretty much everyone to the collaborators and uh, so on because I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for for all the help I'm getting and I just hope that I can do my best to tell the best possible stories that I can tell um, and just continue doing that for as long as I can and for as long as it uh, feels fulfilling to me yeah, well, we're so looking I'm forward happy. to it all, all right. oh, what what shows are you going to be at? Um, this year, I'm taking it fairly minimal. I'm going to be at ECCC, Emerald City Comic Con, in uh, late March. That's like coming up. It's like almost late March. Yes, that is. I'll I'm be there. So out I'm... of signings, I'm doing signings now. I'm doing a signing on. Uh, I'm doing a signing at uh, Meltdown Comics uh, tomorrow on Thursday. And then the Wednesday after that, I'm also doing signing at Xanadu Comics uh, in Seattle. Right, I've been there once. Yeah, so I'm enjoying that. I'm yeah. I'm enjoying connecting with everyone like that too. It's uh, it's you know, yeah, I live a pretty special life, and I'm really really happy for that. Okay, well, I'll, I'll look for you at Emerald City. Oh yes, please do by all means yeah. find me. Yeah, because I'll be yeah. there and. And Matt will be there. He he interviewed you and Michael at uh, New right. York. In New York, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so. it was a great interview. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be there. All right. Thanks, Elish. We'll definitely again. People need to buy your stuff, and you need to keep doing what you're doing because we're we all appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, as far as far as you people are concerned. You make your own decisions on how you how you like my things and so on. Um, frankly, even the process of writing them and reading them afterwards is sort of you know is really good. It's 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 a there's a feedback to the process of creation that in its own is rewarding, and the fact that other people actually like it feels <laughs> like this. You know, extra, extra bonus on top of everything else. So thank you, Tony, for the time. And yeah. uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, I hope to talk to you, talk with you, maybe later this year again. Definitely. All right. right. Thanks. We'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care and have a great day, everyone. Thank- All right. So I hope you guys are enjoying a secret Avengers and, and, you know, definitely check out zero, you know, if, if you haven't already and, you know, all, all kidding aside about the quote and all that. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating take and just the approach. I mean, if you guys know me, if you've read my reviews, you know, I, it, it bugs me when we have, you know, multiple artists on a storyline, but it just, it really works here. How each issue 
is essentially a self-contained story and a, you know, a different mission, different point in his life. So you're going to want to see that because it, it gets, it gets brutal, gets over the top. And, and so there it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. All right. Let's do just a, a couple questions um, before we move on or before I move on. Cause I'm kind of playing catch up here um, in the office. So here's a question from Two Face Seven Seven Seven. He says, "Hey, do you do you think you'll do you ever think that you'll have Jeff Johns as a guest? I would like that a lot, and I think a lot of listeners would as well." Um, actually, the the, the story is he was supposed to be on before, and what what you also need to remember is Jeff Johns is, is a busy guy. So he was he was all ready to do it and everything, um, you know. And, but this is when when he was I can't I don't even know how many books he's writing. You know, so besides writing the multiple books, you know, he he's also the chief creative officer of DC, and you know he's he's working, um, you know, consulting or you know working on on Arrow as well and you know other projects and. So that that's that's the main thing is is finding a time that works for him. And then finding a time that works for me, which, you know, obviously I'm going to try to be as accommodating as possible. But, you know, it's a matter of studio time and, and just everything like that. So uh, I'm not going to say no. It's just a matter of, of having everything aligned at the right time. So we'll, we'll definitely do that sometime soon. So I, I and it's something I, I should you know try to pursue again and, and try to make that happen. So we'll definitely have that. Um, but at the same point or at the same time, I don't want to get in the way of his creative process. You know, I don't, I don't want to take away from the time where he's doing stuff, you know, making stuff for us. So, so never say never is, is, well, he'll be on at some point. Wardashi says, Hey G man, just want to say that I've been listening to all the old and Vince Lee Supermass comic book podcast stuff from the beginning. I find it amusing that a year later you so often mention that you don't know how to pronounce Constantine. The, okay, so the, the problem is so Constantine, Constantine, and you know there, there's you know there there's very adamant um, ways to say it, and and you know yeah, there, it's been said that the, the the point is like I I know someone with 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 the last name, and now I'm confused as to which way it was, but I'm pretty sure it, you know it's always been Constantine. And then, you know, everyone's like, no, it's supposed to be Constantine. So it's, it really, it's, you know, I think it's a matter of tomato, tomato. And I know some people are like, no, it has to be this way. And when you're talking about a particular person, you can have two people with the same last name. And yeah, you know, it's totally legitimate that they could each pronounce it differently depending the way they they want to do it. So, um, you know, like you take my last name. I mean, I say my last name different. Then you know some of my 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 relatives because obviously they they give it more of you know they roll the R's or whatever give it more of a, a, a Spanish take on it which you know maybe that's not quite the same so it it's just a matter of preference and it's just you know some people get really angry when when I joke about it and you know I I know what is a quote unquote accepted way but I I just like to play it both ways because you know there are some people in the real world that will say it differently so. And it gives you guys something to laugh at or something to complain about, to get on my case about or whatever. So so there you go. Um, the question from Wardashi 
says, why is it so hard for writers to break into the industry even though the industry is considered to be writer-led? By that, I mean that writers in the current state of the industry are considered to be the quote-unquote stars and often gain credit and recognition beyond that of the artists that work with them, in some cases at least. Despite this, editors and publishers will not even glance at a writer's script unless it has an artist attached to it or has already been published in some form. Yet, artists can show off their work directly and get jobs more easily. Why do you think this is? Um, it's, you know, it, it is hard. You know, you, so, you know, there's been times at conventions where I, I, I've seen some of the, you know, um, publishers, you know, some bigger publishers, you know, or, or even artists, you know, looking at, at the artist's portfolio. And it's, it's, I think in some ways it's easier to just look at the sequence of art and, you know, what they always say, you know, if, if you're going to be an artist, the main thing is, you know, you need to show that you can draw stories, you know, in a, in a sequence, you know, you, you can tell the story, um, you know, you have to have that consistency and, and also a variety, you know, you have to be able to draw different types of people, different, um, different backgrounds and, and, you know, just different things. You know, can you draw cars? Can you draw dogs? Can you draw trees? Can, you know, so th- there's all that. So when, when you're looking at the art, it's, it's like right there, you know, you can just look at it, you, whether you glance at it, look at it in detail, you know, you, you can get a, a good idea when it comes to writing, you know, you have to sit there and actually read and you, you know, with, with art, you can look at like a page, a, a panel of sequence versus you, you it, yeah, you can just take like a page of someone's writing and get a sense from like a paragraph or two, but you know, to get a full sense, you need to read the whole thing. So I think it's just a little harder like that. And, you know, I don't really know the whole criteria, how, how they go about it. And I would imagine, you know, there, there's so many people trying to break in as writers. So at the same time, the publishers don't have the manpower to sit there and read through submission after submission after submission. Cause you know, for every one stellar piece, you know, a stellar submission, there could be, you know, like a hundred or 500 ones that are okay or ones that are not that good. So I, I, I think it's just harder like that. So the, the easiest thing to do when, you know, it's not always easy is, you know, sometimes it, it's easier if you, can get an artist to, you know, if, if you can self-publish something, whether it's online or, you know, you make a copy in Ashcan comic or something. Because reading, you know, it's, it's easier to read through it than to read a script. You just get a better sense. And I, I'm not trying to take that away, you know, take away from the, the whole writing thing because, you know, you should be able to read a script and visualize it and, and see how, wow, this is, you know, this is a really great story or this is a cool scene or something like that. It's just harder, I, th- I think, when, when you have a mountain of submissions that, that try to get through them all. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that way. And trying to get an artist could be difficult in itself. And then there's also the thing is like, it's like, well, what if you can't get the right artist for your story? Because, you know, the, the art can affect the way the story is executed, you know, if, if it doesn't fit. You know, you take a serious story – and it has like a cartoony style, which is you know totally um, going to the extremes. Obviously, that that's going to change things. So it's just it's it's not easy. So I, I don't 
I don't envy people that have to, you know, try to do that. And I just wish everyone luck. And, and, you know, the thing is just, just don't give up. You know, you just got to keep at it and it happens, you know, thing, things change. You know, a lot of times, you know, you see writers leaving or, you know, with, with, especially with, with some writers, you know, wanting to do more creator own stuff, then, you know, it might be possible that, you know, the publisher is like, well, we need to, we need to find a next quote unquote superstar. So, so there you go. Um, this will be the, the last question from Mattwing87. He says, it's no secret that Disney likes to oversaturate things with sequels and prequels. I don't know if Disney directly affects this, but do you think they're oversaturating Marvel and Star Wars? They put out two to three MCU movies a year and now putting out five shows on TV Netflix with chances of cameos, which could potentially establish future spinoffs or miniseries shows or movies. Do you think that Marvel is being oversaturated or people are, are, are going to get burned out in all the Marvel movies and shows? I don't think that that at all. These are just things I see in comments or posts on Facebook and YouTube, and I can see where they're coming from. Um, I personally think they're trying to establish brand new kind of storytelling. People are just okay. Um, I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily the case the, with with Marvel Marvel Studios. Uh, and you know, this is something that that was said a couple times at the press conference, and you know, is by by the actors and and Kevin Feige. Um, Marvel Studios is just, they're doing a phenomenal job with the movies. I mean, you look at that, even for, you know, like, I obviously I had, had issues with Iron Man 3 with the kid in there. Some people like that. That's great. Um, I had some issues with Thor to Dark World with, you know, just Malekith and, you know, just his whole purpose in, in, the, in the movie and, you know, how much was he necessary, for, you know, to drive the story and, you know, stuff like that. But still... Those movies are just all incredible, and you know, with Winter Soldier, so it, it gets to where you want to have more. And the when it's going to be a problem is when when they start doing you know two to three movies a year, and then some of them are, are mediocre, or some are just like like not good. And you know that's when it's going to be a problem. That's when you can see that okay, they're they're pushing things too far. Um, and you know, some people they they like to complain about Agents of Shield where. You know, it's it's not quite what they want, but you know, you, you do have to look at it's. It, there's a budget, and you know, we are seeing things slowly building up. Now we're used at we're used to what's going on in movies that you know things are already established now, and you know we're we're moving at at this this great speed. Um, so with with the TV show, even though the universe is established, it's 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 different because this is the first TV show. So there's that to consider, and you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how the show moves forward. Because you know, like I said, things are changing, um, things are getting better, but I just think that they're they're kind of limited with with the budget and having more shows. Um, from what it sounds like, you know, it sounds like they they got a, a pretty big budget for all the mo- all the shows combined. So. Until we start getting stuff that's just not good, I, I don't I don't see it as a problem. And you know, as long as people are still interested, they don't get burnt out. So there there is that risk where people might be like, "Oh, it's, it's another superhero movie," eh, you know, whatever. And then there's there's also when they're competing with the other ones because you know we do have Spider Man movie, we do have X Men, and you know, does DC have anything this year? I don't think so. Um, so it's it's very tricky, and they have to 
plan everything very carefully. But at the same time, you know, being a, a corporation, you know, and and looking at at profits, these things are all doing great, and they need to keep that momentum going, because you know you don't want to have to wait two years or three years, because um, you know it, it's just crazy to think it, it's it's it'll be two years since Avengers, and you know it's not even you know the second one's not even coming out this year, but because we've had these other movies that are kind of tied in or have some of the characters. It, it still keeps the idea fresh. So it's not like, like oh, yeah, there's that movie Avengers that, that happened, you know, three years ago. So it's – it's I, I think they're doing a, a really good job bal- keeping the balance, but it, it could get tricky. Uh, Matt Wing 87 says, do you think they're going to – they're doing the same thing with Star Wars now that Disney owns them? They plan to release a new episode every year with spinoff – or every other year with a spinoff movie in between. And now they have a new animated series and probably start brand new comics once Marvel starts doing the comics 2015. Do you think people will get burned on Star Wars? I know it's been around for almost 40 years, but there was a 20-year gap between the movies. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case either. And the same thing with, with the animated shows. Like, you know, there's Marvel animated shows. Um, people that loved all the movies that will see every single movie, they're probably not watching the animated shows because the, the shows are geared towards a different audience. Um, and, you know, yeah, the Marvel animated are, are kind of geared – more towards a younger or all age audience compared to the movies being a more like a PG 13 type audience. Um, you know, I'm doing a star Wars show is not necessarily going to be, you know, all age or, you know, young, but it's, it, there's just some people just like, you know, some people refuse to read the comics, even though they, they love the characters. There's some people that will refuse to watch an animated show. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the clone wars now that's on Netflix, and they're like, "Wow, this is a really good show." You know, w- once they start getting into it, you know, a few episodes or into a couple seasons. <clears throat> but when it was on, I remember, you know, all you know, you guys on Comic Vine, we would post, you know, I would post clips like every week, and you know, a couple images that that Lucasfilm w- would send, and you know, the, there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in that, or some people were like, "Like, oh, I don't, I don't like the CG." But then as the show moved on, you know more and more people started saying like wow this is really cool so it's just it's it's like a little something different for everyone and also there's been so many uh you know ex- expanded universe novels that you know you could almost say that those were oversaturating things that you know there's always something going on i mean for for a while things were just like all over the place until they, they started the, the new jedi you know order stories were just coming out all over the different timelines, and it was confusing. I mean, because I remember trying to read this. I was like, "Okay, wait, are Han and Leia married here yet, or not? And you know, do they have? You know, are there kids?" And so, it, I I just think that they are aware of it. And the other thing is, you know, they have a lot of money invested in, especially with with Lucas. You know, they paid. You know, Marvel. I know they they paid four billion, and with Lucas, I think you know there's there's a high rate like that too. So, you know, one, they want to make their money back. And two, they don't want to kill the franchise. And, you know, they know that there are hardcore Star Wars fans. And, you know, it, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to be looking at the complaints people had with the prequels. Um, but at the same time, you know, some of those prequels weren't geared towards the older fans. You know, part of it is they can't just appeal to the old fans. They also need to bring in new fans. So, you know, they, there has to be some sort of, you know, accommodation in between. And that's something that they'll have to do with these new movies where, you know, there are all these lifelong fans. But at the same time, they need to make new fans. 
And, you know, you can't say, well, you know, you haven't been, you know, paying attention to anything Star Wars the last 30, 40 years. Go do that first and then watch your movie. You know, bottom line is they need to sell those tickets. <laughs> so it's it's going to be hard. But you know that they, they, they have a team of people working on this and, and thinking about all this stuff. So there you go. Uh, Matt Wing then says, I personally don't care if it burns everyone out. It won't burn me out because I enjoy Marvel and Star Wars. And like a sucker, I will pay to see them and buy them when they come out in DVD, and I won't complain. So there you go. But again, we have to hope that everything works out. And I, I have confidence in what Marvel and Disney is doing. I mean, it seems like they, they get it. They're they're not going to overdo it because um, that's that may work in the short term. They need to keep these franchises going. It's not like let's do everything in the next five years, and then if it, if it dies away, well, we'll just write it off then, because that is a, a lot of billions of dollars to just write off with that. All right, so that is the show for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for those that um, sent in questions. And I know this was like a totally last minute thing. I meant to do this a couple of days ago because I've been talking to Elash about doing this. But then with me being in L.A. for a couple of days right before I'm recording this, things were just insane. Um, so I, I I hope everyone that got to ask a question had the chance. Um, if not, you know, you can always still ask a question. So I, I, I put the, the request out on, on the Invincibly Supermassive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff Facebook page. If you have a question I didn't answer, you can put it there because chances are me or Matt will be talking to Elesh and emerald city in a couple weeks now which is insane oh i don't it's it's convention season it's a time where i go to the airport like every week or two or month and and then i like what airport am i there's times i seriously i i forget where i'm at or i'll be like like oh there's this really good place to eat here and then i go there it's like wait it's not here oh that's right it's in a different city um so there you go but thanks for listening uh next jeez i don't even know i I can't even think about who's going to be on next week. But actually, I think I know who's going to be on the week after. But we'll see. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all you guys. Um, Check out the Facebook page. Give it a like. Ask questions on the general discussion forums. Um, Look for the Ask G-Man video questions. Ask questions. You'll get answers. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Right? Thank you. And good night. Or good morning. Good afternoon. Adios. So, so my question, my is, question is, who could it be? We don't, we don't know. And I would like to ask like which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. Don't oh, shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, 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 I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two.